We're now in the approach phase. Everything looking good. Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. Canada's Deputy Minister within its Department of Natural Resources is to prepare a report regarding any incidents involving drones or UAPs. The Deputy Minister will also consider reaching out to the U.S. Nuclear Regulatory Commission to better assess the nature and extent of UAP and how it is handling such reports and investigations. These actions were requested on March 2nd by a member of Parliament, Larry McGuire, Vice Chair of the Canadian's Parliament Standing Committee on Natural Resources. With current tensions with Russia escalating, it seems that McGuire is keen for Canada to work with its U.S. allies to investigate any incidents of UAP or drones around nuclear installations. I'm Doug, and joining me today on the Alien Probe Podcast is Dr. Bill. Hello. What's up, Bill? Hey, what's up? What's going on? Nothing much. Uh, how about you? We've just... Spooked. Oh, you know, it's freezing. Oh, is it cold there? <laughs> wow. It's like in the 50s. Debbie oh. just took the dog out for a walk. It was kind of cold. Uh, but yeah, oh, this this, this can I mean, we won't, we won't hit the we won't hit the Canada thing too hard. It's it's McGuire requested from you know that they they aren't looking at these things altogether. I mean, he's got had John Hannaford, who's the deputy minister of uh, Canada, and he you know and they did. I, there was a video of uh, McGuire talking to Hannaford about what's being done about this and Hanford just took over in January. So he's like, I don't really know what we're doing hmm. about drones over, you know, nuclear um, installations. Um, and I'm not aware of anything. And so McGuire basically had to tell him to do something. And McGuire's like, yeah, I'll take it under advisement. No, I mean, Hanford, he sounded totally disinterested. <laughs> I'll take it. You know, they're, they're going to talk to people at NORAD and things in the U.S. I mean, we're not going to go into this in great depth. I just thought it was a nice anecdote that they're at least looking uh, looking into it. And then, you know, with the obviously with the Ukraine, you know, nuclear power plant <laughs> attack, you know, are, yeah. are the are the drones over there? And are the um, drones are they UAP? We say UAP. They're just unidentified flying things. Yeah. Phenomena. Well, the the Ukraine nuclear power plant. You mean the Russians were shelling the nuclear power plant? Yeah, and then they were. Yeah, I've even watched. See, I got CNN on every day just for a few minutes, but it's not really telling me anything. No, the um, apparently they, it showed them shooting at the yeah <laughs> um, shelling, and then they showed a bit. Did you see the video of the guy? Stop shooting! <laughs> I I saw something about that. The um, what. What I saw was you're that you're going to ruin the whole. They, you're going to ruin the whole region. Yeah, the <laughs> this um, thing blows up. I guess a bunch of Ukraine soldiers went into uh, the training building at the nuclear power plant. I think there's five or six reactors there, and uh, started shooting at a, a Russian salt Russian patrol from a building in the facility. And then of course the Russians oh. started shooting back. Shooting back. So, so yeah. it was it was it was designed to 
do something. I don't know. Maybe they're yeah. still they're still trying to get get NATO to Sim- to Sim- help Sim- out to help <laughs> out. And I was like, I will send you. And we're like, no, nah, I don't think I, I don't think we want to do anything. I, I, it's, it's, we're doing something i don't know what it is I, it's crazy i saw a bunch of uh you know shoulder fired missiles where those the um the javelins no nah, they're the, the different they different javelins ones. or they were just those things they were using in afghanistan what are those? the little Rock, rpgs yeah they had like a hundred of them against this fence and i'm like okay i don't know what's going to do land against that fence but yeah, maybe somebody's sending them those i don't know if we i don't know who makes those so i thought the russians made them apparently you can join the ukrainian foreign legion and and go um link up with the forces in poland that are getting ready to march yeah, into i saw a video Ukraine. on cnn about that yesterday there was four or five guys that banded together and they they're going the op people are coming out and they're all dressed in camo yeah and they're going in one guy's this you know there's a group from america there were a bunch of hillbillies you know and then there was a group that gathered together gathered together in poland one guy was a he had been in the military and was a sniper so this should be interesting (laughs) i don't know if they're but they had no gun i mean they walked in the americans didn't even have coats we didn't have Warm coat, warm coats for Poland. Warm enough coats. Eastern, it's Eastern, like they weren't even prepared. Eastern, Eastern <laughs> Europe, Eastern Europe in winter time. I'm gonna, I'm wearing shorts yeah. and a t-shirt like you would in the south. <laughs> Debbie looks at me. She goes, "Yeah, you probably wouldn't do that." I go, "Only be, if they did it in spring." I'm like, "Go, just be no. right now." Yeah. <laughs> um, the problem with that too is if you're not affiliated with a, a national of. A real army if you're just like a mercenary group in there they could um they'll just the russians they'll disappear you and execute you in a week and they won't screw around yeah i mean it's not yeah. like uh you're just i don't know you're a terrorist you're gone i mean and you'll be yeah. you'll be tried you know you'll be fairly tried and executed in a week you will have a trial it may only be a couple minutes but you will have a it's trial kind of, it's kind of like that star trek trial where they <laughs> murdered somebody or whatever shot the other you know and then they just okay well you're going to jail now yeah uh, you know yeah. It, it's I, I don't know it's well then they had the group from poland that really had their act together and uh the guy the group with the sniper and you know they were well dressed and well yeah. no no they didn't have any guns so i guess they're figuring that they'll, they'll get, pick them up the, the americans are like where are you go and so they had a news reporter there that's kind of just grabbed them because they were just walking in and they had no idea what they were going to like once they get to the other side they had no idea where they were going what they were doing they were unorganized i mean yeah i don't know what you would do it's like a okay i'm here you know i don't know so then the ones from that had uh, assembled in poland they Mm -hmm. had they knew where they they didn't mention it on the uh thankfully they didn't (laughs) the news report which is i'm surprised because they can't hold anything back they just don't have the ability um so they knew where they were going and they look like a band that that's the band i want <laughs> uh if you're not affiliated with a, a national or a you know a real army yeah, yeah, in a yeah. real country you're a terrorist basically and the russians aren't the russians don't screw around um yeah and they're doing what they did in Chechnya. Chechnya, they, they Chechnya, they they lost six thousand troops in Chechnya, and uh, pacified that place. 
and what happened i i don't know a lot about it but they went into like one city surrendered in chechnya and they said the city goes we surrender and a brigade of russian troops went into the city and were attacked and they lost half a brigade in this city so russia pulled out and um they said okay we have a new policy our new policy is if a city surrenders um it's fine we'll go in we'll take over the government we'll start running things if they say they surrender and then they shoot any of our soldiers we'll just pull out of the city and um pound it into rubble with artillery and which is what they're doing which is their which it worked in chechnya <laughs> and in chechnya they it took two more cities they did two more cities where the chechnyans said okay we surrender they went in they shot at the soldiers they pulled out and they rubbled the towns and after two towns when a city surrendered in Chechnya, it really surrendered. And that's that they learned how to do this in, in Chechnya and they're just applying it in uh, the Ukraine. The amount of, of disinformation is shocking that we're seeing. Yeah. The, yeah, uh, uh, we, this isn't really relevant to us because we just use it as a communication tool, but Discord has a new policy on disinformation and misinformation. So, but well, we're just using it as a tool. Our, yeah. It's just our opinion. This, well, I mean, wait, we're we're not we're not we're not broadcasting. We're not, we're not yeah. broadcasting to ten thousand people. We're just talking to ourselves yeah. and then setting it out. But I, I love that they go. I got an email that says disinformation and misinformation is now part of our terms of of service. Like, how do you define disinformation, yeah. and how do you define yeah misinformation and you know how you know this is like tell me tell me explain to me how you're how this works so yeah we live in a weird weird time uh one of the things there's a i'm not going to give any attribute to this site but there's a guy that was um talking about the invasion of ukraine and he was saying that um uh, he he was giving estimates of 500 Russian dead, and the Russians came out with 500 dead troops. But one of the things that he said that was real interesting was, uh, if it's in here, uh, might have been a different one. But it was interesting. He's saying that these claims that uh, 6,000 Russians were killed in the first week was absurd because when the U.S. invaded uh, the beaches in Normandy, that was how many we lost in the first week of fighting. And he's going, the invasion of Ukraine is not the equivalent of, you know, assaulting the beach at Normandy in World War II. He also said that the, um, the pace of the Russian um, invasion as far as ground covered is the fastest ground combat formation in history which was that was a quote for the um u.s when it invaded iraq on the highway of death yeah. US, and that was the fastest ground combat formation in history and the russians are beating that as far as space well, as it, well i heard they started 20 miles out of kiev kiev i'm pronouncing yeah. it Correctly, I hope this time. Uh, Kiev, Kiev, it doesn't matter. Kiev, Kiev. Um, it, they were twenty miles out, and then a week later, they were fifteen miles out. So they went five miles in a week. 
Well, that they're yeah, consolidating. No, they're they're twenty. They're fifteen. They're grouping together. They're staging. They're staging. It's yeah. a staging area for the for the next phase, and they're moving. Yeah, it's if they have a. I mean, that was my job. It's like it takes time to move equipment and and stuff and get it set up in place, and they're they're. I mean, they've been doing this for a week, and they got a, a what was it a column of trucks convoy of trucks it's 40 miles long that's just the stuff to stage the next phase yeah uh, they're creating a forward staging area yeah it's crazy stuff um i think it's do you really think that the, the russians have only lost 500 do you think yeah that's i do i think this i think yeah i think the stuff that's coming out um there's so much stuff that's just that's not true and there's no reporters they've just kicked out um all the major news informations information services are leaving Russia because they just passed a law against disinformation. Yeah, so you don't want to go to jail for fifteen years. Yeah, <laughs> that's their new policy. Hard labor. We talk bad about it. Yeah, hard labor. We talk bad about us. Yeah, going to jail. So, <laughs> just like yeah. if they had that in America. Oh, <laughs> everybody be in jail. <laughs> well, now they just now they just what what do they call it? They deplatform you or whatever. They don't allow you to like Joe Rogan. Allowed. Yeah, I'm sorry, you're yeah. not allowed. You talked, and now he's got. You look at his podcast, and there's warnings on everyone. Oh, every, really? Uh, not everyone, but certain of his uh, episodes have this. If you COVID warning thing, we want to warn you. Oh, yeah, we want to warn you that if you listen to this, you might actually hear something that you might up you find might, upsetting. Yeah, Words may yeah, upset you. Yeah, so we have to be careful when we talk about covid we might have to put a banner underneath everything words well youtube does that anyway words may upset you well they did that for your jfk thing the, the first yeah, one you well, did we got yeah we did some advertising and they disallowed it so because it was controversial well and youtube youtube put a banner on it said look it up in encyclopedia britannica yeah yeah and, and that's fine you know we're i mean there's some that's a really polarizing to this day, it's a polarizing subject. So, so we, we better start talking about UFOs before everybody thinks we're on the wrong channel. Yeah, I'm so, going. <laughs> so the uh, loading wave of 47. And um, like we were discussing earlier, I'm impressed because it's in chronological oh. order and much easier to follow. You, you like that? I Actually, I want to talk yeah. about, I want to talk about Oak Island. A little bit yeah okay oak island one of my favorite subjects because you followed that show forever and it's been on for nine and, years and then i gave up because yeah. i thought it was bs um well <laughs> well i went through um and watched some of the episodes and went through and looked at the summaries of the episodes and watched more of the interesting ones and there was two things that came out from what i was looking at one was the mcginnis sisters do you remember that Yes. Where they showed up with the gold cross. Yeah. And it was actually Captain... I saw that episode. Yeah. Captain Kid's Treasure. I was, I was surprised that they were... Um, they were like, what? We looked at an old map and it said Captain Kid on it. And I actually have a have this book, which is... Yeah. Uh, which I've talked about before. It's Captain Kid and Skeleton, his Skeleton Island. Uh, and this book talks about... I mean, this was published in 1930, 1937, and this talks about, talks about that island and Captain Kidd's treasure. 
I was like, do you guys, I knew about this. I've known about this. I think in the, the, I've known about this, I think my whole life about the Oak Island and Captain Kidd's treasure. I gotta, I've got my nose. Yeah. And they're not really, um, yeah. Well, maybe they did that just. Debbie and I have done, yeah, we, I've done, we've dedicated a whole show to the, 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 not really the talking, but the, the, you know, how. It's in, you know, of course, we Skinwalker Ranch is to be a spinoff, even though it's a totally different subject. Yeah. It's exactly the same show, but they're talking about UFOs. And I think there's going to be more Skinwalker. I believe that hasn't died. I, think I, can't, I, can't, back. I can't watch that anymore. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And it's obvious <laughs> that it's it's cowboys versus Indians. It's the tribal Indians versus the, uh, yeah. the interlopers. And Debbie's just like, I watched that. And Debbie's like, "You're gonna make me watch another episode of that." I can't watch. I can't watch that anymore. It's, it's, it's just look at it like it's an assignment for the podcast, and uh, you're writing along. <laughs> the thing that bugs me is the uh, what do they call? What do they call it? They're the uh, surprise takes where they go, oh, "Look, look at this map. It says Skeleton yeah. Island, or it says Captain Kidd's treasure right here." Um, but the thing is, is I think that the McKinnis sisters, they're great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather, whatever the McKinnis, actually found Captain Kidd's treasure. They said they found Captain Kidd's treasure and dug it up. Oh. And then yeah, they brought... I knew it was gone. It was either it's gone. gone by them. And yeah. then they, they, the McKinnis sisters presented, showed that gold cross that they'd kept in the family from that treasure. Another thing is that, do you remember them talking about, uh, in an episode of Oak Island, we're talking about uh, blue blue clay. I don't remember the blue clay. Okay, it's in there. It's in one of the episodes. They're talking about, because it's in the money pit, where they're pulling out blue clay. They assayed the blue clay and found that it had silver content. Right? Yeah. So do you know the... Uh, where we grew up, do you know the Comstock load? Remember that? Yeah. The, the big, huge yeah. silver, silver mines up in the Reno area. Yeah. So here's a, so this is on Wikipedia and it says here, uh, okay. And this is about the Ophir discovery. And it says in the spring of 1859, two miners, Peter O'Reilly and Patrick McLaughlin, Finding all the paying ground already claimed, went to the head of Six Mile Canyon and began prospecting with a rocker on the slope of the mountain near a small stream fed from a neighboring spring. They had poor results in the top dirt as there was no washed gravel and they were about to abandon the claim when they made a great discovery. They sank a small, deeper pit in which to collect water to use in their rockers. In the bottom of this hole was a layer of rich black sand, which is, as we know, is a good sign. Yep. Concentrated from the top of the hidden Ophir Bonanza, Henry T.P. Comstock learned of the two men working on land that he had allegedly had already claimed for grazing purposes. Unhappy with his current claim on Gold Hill, Comstock made threats and managed to work himself and his partner, Emmanuel Manny Penrod, into a deal that granted them interest in on the claim, which they really actually you don't. Uh, mining claims and grazing claims are all two separate things. Oh, he must have been a dick. <laughs> On June 12th, a trench they were digging exposed black manganese sand mixed with bluish gray quartz and gold. 
to Aristras or um, grinding mills. Built by John D. Winters and J.A. Osborne, made them additional partners and blah, blah, blah. Called, and they was originally called the Mexican, later called the Spanish, adjacent to the Ophir claim. With the blue stuff found in this trench, silver mining in America was born. In the rocker, along with the gold, was a large quantity of heavy blue-black material, almost like putty, that clogged the rocker and interfered with the washing out of the fine gold. When assayed on June 27th, it was determined to be a rich sulfide of silver. In fact, the ore was three-fourths silver to one-fourth gold. So the Oak Island wow. money pit has blue clay in it. And what I think is, is the money pit wasn't some sort of secret treasure pit. I think it was a, a silver mine that had been dug 400 years ago by the early, you know, explorers. You and ready? Then, dun, dun, dun. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Oh, you mean like they do the... Really? They do those, those, what do they, what do they call uh, those? They, they call them the... Is there uh, a name for that? Oh, it's like the, the, they, the... The, the, I don't know. It's, I want to say spit take. Pause it's not a spit. For, is this a pause for effect? So it's like a spit take. Oh, effect. Yeah, it's something. Oh. So, yeah. Oh. So I think it was a. I think it was a, a silver mine, and then the flood tunnels that came off the side were just just uh, the um, not drains. They were air um, air shafts for the mine. Oh, really? Yeah. Because you need the air shafts for what were they not underwater? What was the water coming? Has the I water don't know. Come up? I, either they built either they built uh, dams to keep the water out so they could build the ventilation shafts, or the sea level was lower. You know, they do say that sea level has been rising. And one of the yeah, things so that that struck me, I was looking at a thing, a, a video about an, uh, Nova Scotia, and there's an island up there where you go to the beach, and there's all these tree stumps. You can walk out and they're all sitting in the shallow water and they're supposed to be 1500 years old, but that just suggests that the water was lower there. Yeah. You know, within, you know, 1500 years. So even at Oak Island, if the water level of the oceans were, was lower, those, the flooding shafts weren't flooding shafts. So they could have dammed them to, to dig the uh, ventilation shafts and everything about that looks like a standard mine construction. So what I think all these people have been doing with the money pit is that they're they're just redigging an old mine that was dug 400 years ago, and Captain oh. Kidd's treasure was found by the McInnes guys, um, whenever that was, as well, their was, sisters said. So there, there solved was it. Also, solved it. Originally, this thing was pied out, you know, different plots, you know, right right across the the island. Different people would own different sections. Yeah, and. There was a um, African African American gentleman that bought one ages ago, and they surmised one of the oh yeah I remember that that he found it. I mean, they surmised that he found it. He well he the, he the I know. think the McGinnis has found some, and this guy I saw that too. This guy I think found yeah. some too because he became very wealthy, and nobody could understand how. Yeah, he found yeah. something. Yeah, he found. So there's there was more. Caches. So here's a, a chapter in this book. It's called Haunted Caches of New England. So that you can't read. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of stuff. More. I'm going to talk about stuff that I haven't read. Um, the Dun 
Dunderbur Mountain Mystery. I gotta read this. An unknown treasure wreck. Captain Treasure's hidden island chart, which was found in his trunk, his chest. So it's a great book. Great sort of Captain Kid book. I mean, I love the story, but I think they've. <laughs> I just can't. They. It's another one of those. They went they up. Just keep nine. They're beat. They're beating it, to, and then they nine, spun off another show. Yeah, they're looking at other treasures, hidden treasures. Yeah, so nine they, years. They can't find huh. anything. <laughs> Nine years. You found buttons and things we could probably find in our backyard. Let's let's <laughs> just let's just dig in an old silver mine that was dug out, played out four hundred years ago for nine years. Hey, they're making money. That's what they're doing. They're making a lot of money yeah, on it. I don't, you know, I don't regret them the no. doing that. It's fine, but it's just people that have followed that from beginning to end are just. In the beginning, I'm like, okay, they're going to find, you know, it was really exciting. And then you go through three or four seasons, like, holy crap, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're just punching holes down and putting sleeves in these big, you know, and yeah. uh, like, I mean, like I said, we did a whole show, Deb and I did a whole show on just the nonsense, you know, between that and Skinwalker, which is its sister show. God. <laughs> which is the same show <laughs> skinwalker ranch a big mystery what about the reservation what about the indians the angry yeah. indians all around I, you that hate more you likely that more hate likely you that they're coming in and ready to, to kill their you know their to, to, to mess with you and make weird things happen tell us how this ranch is the best land on the reservation and why isn't it reservation land anymore when it originally was solve this yeah. mystery solve this mystery for me so yeah, that's that's just that's yeah okay. Echo, we're done with that. Yes, so we've <laughs> we've we've destroyed Skinwalker we've Ranch. To death. We've we're destroyed gonna... Oak Island. I solved the Oak I Island you mystery. Had some news, or you texted me. Well, we're going to talk about Oak Island, and then something. It was funny because something popped up on my. Uh, oh, you thought it was related phone. to that now? You know, I go holy shit. So I tried clicking on it; it wouldn't open anything. And I, oh. But then I looked on the internet. I go for something because you know, look up see if something's new. It was something and nothing's new. new. <laughs> it's just yeah. There's I, a book out that came out, you know, years ago, the but, 2014. I think somebody wrote a book about it. Somebody specific. Somebody wrote a review it. of it. Finally, six years, well, eight years later. Well, it's a book. Is actual book, and I don't. I'm not going to read it because it's. I've had enough. Of yeah, it. nine years is too much. You know? Yeah, that's um. Uh, but what it struck me, I saw the blue clay thing, and I'm like, oh, I immediately thought of the Comstock load because I remember the blue clay from that. I mean, that was a yeah. that was a big, uh, big part of uh, for us growing up is the gold and the silver mines and all that stuff. So, are you going to do an ad? You're looking at your watch. Yeah, I'm looking out. Uh, yeah, we're about ready. Uh, Ryan BCS, their goal is to find the best program and rates available for your business. Their team has years of experience helping clients find lower rates for processing credit cards. They understand that every business is different, so let them spend the time to find out what suits your business best. So visit orionbcs.com and let them begin the process towards saving you money to help you realize your financial goals. Once again, visit orionbcs.com and contact them today. All programs of OrionBCS are subject to terms and conditions. Visit orionbcs.com for more details. Well, I butchered that ad. Yeah. That's okay. And you activated your phone. That was, <laughs> that was... Well, Robert sent me, sent me a, like, uh, I thought it was a picture. He bought a new RV. 
We're going to say it on the show. Oh, he sent you a... So he sent me a... So I thought it was just a picture, but it's like a... It's like a... Like a... Something just... A bit describing video. the RV and its features and benefits. So it sounded it like his voice. It was an ad. It wasn't his voice. I don't know. I'm not playing it again. <laughs> I'll play it after we're done. <laughs> so he's coming out. He says, I got my RV and I'm coming out this spring. So oh. uh, maybe we'll just hitch a ride. I go, okay, you're going to, he's got his two, we'll leave his two dogs here with Deb. She'll appreciate that. And then. Wow. We'll, yeah. We'll just all go together on his RV. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I think that would be great. Now, I don't know if he got a trailer or he's got a giant truck. I don't, he says he's got an RV. I wonder if he's just got a big trailer. So I got to look for, and see what it for is. For the RV? Yeah. It's still an RV, but it just doesn't, I'm. I'll, he probably got a trailer like I used to have. I had a, for, Johnny, oh, yeah. for, for carrying the motorcycles and stuff behind yeah, it? When, yeah, when we did that, yeah. Johnny was racing. Yeah. So it's, yeah, he probably did something like that. I'll look at it later. But I'm glad he got something. He can go out and do some adventure, hey, which will be if, in Texas. There's lots of places to go. If you guys want to do that um, and do well, that, we'll that figure thing, out what we're, you know, yeah, I'll, we'll figure out what we're going to do. Because it's expensive, you know. It flying out is not expensive. It's it's not bad. Yeah. The what's going to be expensive is the driving of the. Yeah, uh, it's going to be the RV, and I'm just you know I can't expect him to. <laughs> anyway, hey, so, I'll, I'll I'll throw in on gas. We'll, We're all throwing in on gas. We'll, we'll just we'll all just go. We'll figure it out. Yeah. So that would I work. Want to do it? Yeah, that'll work. We'll visit some uh, some of those places we mapped out. We'll UFO cause trouble. UFO 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 tour UFO places. UFO tour and. Uh, you know, we've got, you know, our old neighbors are in, uh, they're in, I think they're in Phoenix, but, um, you know, it's just, it be, should be fun. So, uh, so the wave of 47 where we got off and the wave of 47. Thing. And this is, I wasn't really sure why this was interesting until I read the first two chapters and Alfred Luding, Luding, Luding. Yeah. was the first scientific analysis at Wright-Patterson Airfield for pre-Project Blue Book. Is that before Roswell? Was uh, it in Roswell is 1947, so he would have been there for, if they, if, if stuff was shipped from Roswell to Wright-Patterson in 1947, this guy would have been at Wright-Patterson and he would have been involved in looking at the stuff. Right. So the re and I'm like, who is this guy? I don't know who he is. Why is this thing even written about him? And I should, we should give it a full title. It's Alfred Lading and the great flying saucer wave of 1947 by Michael D. Hall and Wendy A. Connors. And this can be found online um, somewhere, I think at NICAP. And Alfred Lading, like I said, it was the first um, analyst for UFO, which they didn't call UFO, saucer sightings at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. He was also an aeronautical engineer. Uh, and I made some notes. Visitors, Fort one thing, Russians. Oh, yeah. So for the best part, for the best part of summer 1947, most serious minds studying the flying disc mystery like Alfred Ledding considered that a domestic secret project might account for the sightings. After eliminating that possibility, the foreign option was exhaustively explored, 
By 1948, foreign origin became a catchword for visitors from outer space. But in 1947, it meant one thing, only one thing, Russians, 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 Russians. Dun, dun, dun. In fact, worries, worries that the Soviet Union, worries that the Soviet Union may have gleaned a Nazi superweapon at the end of the Second War remained in the minds of the Air Force officials up through 1952. But by late 1947, some aeronautical engineers, like Alfred Ledding, began to consider that flying saucers may represent intelligently controlled machines from another world. And this book basically is trying to explore his... Um, sort of intellectual journey on how he came to that decision. And even more interesting, this is from the preface of this thing. It said, uh, uh, you know, they talk about Percival Lowell and, and looking at the, the, you know, saying he saw canals on Mars and they talk about, they always talk about Orson Welles, Orson Welles in the panic of 1938, which I don't think they, everyone, makes a big deal about that. I don't think that's um, as a big deal as these books make out. Um, they you say... Fed the, I mean, fed the fury and fanned the flames of these 1940... You know, that one doesn't have anything to do with the other. It was so far, it's like nine years later. It was 1930. I just yeah. think it was a... It was. They're saying, well, you know, there was a panic of Orson Welles 19, that caused in the War of the Worlds broadcast. And... Uh, we don't want to cause a panic by, you know, recapitulating this, you know, alien invasion theme. Um, and I can remember there'd be like TV shows and stuff where they would say, um, um, you know, they'd be like docudrama type things. They'd say, this is a docudrama. They'd have all these announcements, like every commercial break it says, this is not a real invasion from Mars. <laughs> this is a docudrama. Do not panic. Um, they didn't do that on that show. Uh, yeah. Well, I've never I mean, listened to the radio show. I love the movie, but I never I, listened to the actual radio show. If you tuned in late, yeah, I have. If you tuned in late to the Orson Welles radio, it's free. You can find it online. Oh yeah, and places. Yeah. You, if you listen to it, they do a nice introduction. It's Mercury Theater of the Air with Orson Welles tonight. H.G. Wells, War of the Worlds, and then they go into. Um, you know, a guy's, and you know, they have a ticking clock in the background and the guy's looking through his, his telescope at the surface of Mars. He goes, what are these explosions on the surface of Mars? If you tuned in late to the show, you might think something weird is going on. But then right. at some point they go to the break and it's obviously it's a show and a commercial. So I, you know, I don't know how big the panic was. I think there were people that that did freak out, but I think it's the same as you see today where it's like maybe a handful of people freaked out and it made the press and then they blew it up into a bigger story than it actually was. And then this figure that the people that, sorry, the people that are listening to this are, you know, Aunt Bobby Joe's ranch. They're not phenomenally educated. I'm not saying they're dumb, but they're just not up to date on things that's like that's you, a, you aren't that's the era you know, that's a that's a, a big misconception our literacy rates in the united states in the 1930s yeah. and 40s were higher than they are now people well, i'm were, just saying it with this topic 
yeah, you know, this topic know. and just looking at the sky and seeing things that they think are UFOs that are actually balloons well, or there, something there, else. There, there was a lot of that. So anyway, I think the, the War of the Worlds thing was blown out of proportion. And then the people in positions, the authorities, uh, as a friend of mine used to say, when the authorities used to interfere with his, his farm, um, the uh, position is that they just think they think that people are stupid and they're going to freak out. These days, I don't know. Uh, I think people were more educated in the 30s and 40s. High school in the third before the 1950s, a lot of high school educations were more rigorous than you'd have more of an education than you get now with a um, uh, college education. And I've yeah. been I've been following slowly a course of study. Uh, that's equivalent to a 1880s high school education. It's unbelievable. It's taken me a year to, to I, I mean, I'm, I'm not even, I'm not even done with the ninth grade yet. Um, I mean, it's. So you think today, if this happened, people would react worse? No, they're not no, as smart. No, <laughs> I think people aren't as artists. People are, the intelligence hasn't changed. Just people aren't as educated, but I think people were a lot they're more savvy. I think people are more savvy now. People are more savvy now. Yeah. yeah. People are a lot more savvy now because you have a huge amount of information that we experience through the internet now. People are a lot we more savvy. All the, all the time. We're reading about stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. But, but Everything I don't. comes up. Yeah. But I don't think that uh, you can assume that people in 1938 with Orson Welles assume that they were any less savvy than they are now. So I think, think why did they freak out? They, they I think it was a hand freaked out, or was I think it was really probably happen? a handful of people, and the press blew it up. Sells papers, yeah. same now. Look yeah, at the, could, yeah, it sells papers. Yeah, and I then, can't disagree with that. And then the government used that um, as an excuse to you know to tie in with the UFO stuff to say you know this is we don't want people to freak out. I think they're more freaked out of the idea that Russians had super sophisticated craft that were flying around our country, you know, unimpeded. Uh, that was the big fear was the, the Russians were the Russians, the Russians, the Russians. Russians, they were going to, they were going to invade our too. country. Yes. The, uh, the Russians and the Uranian, I'm sorry, I mispronounced the you, countries. It's, it's Urania, according to the president, Bi the president, you're not Biden, you're not Biden. I, he, 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 he's the president. He's right. He knows the proper pronunciation of the country's name. It's Urania. I'm not really worried about them invading. I'm worried about them lobbying a nuclear weapon on us after we, after, you know, we decide we've had enough and we ah, forget it. We're just going to help. And then it's like, oh, I don't know. That's what's, it. I don't know what's going on. This is crazy stuff. It's crazy stuff. They're going, well, we stand with you, Ukraine. We stand together. We stand with you. But we're going to stand over here and watch. <laughs> it's like, yeah. it's like you know, you're, it's like your friend gets in a fight at the bar, and you go, yeah, kick his ass, kick his ass. And then the the guy that you're fighting, uh, the guy that's you know your friend's fighting somebody, and then someone else's friends jumps in to help their friend, and then you stand there and go, I'm just going to stand over here and root, still go, kick his ass, kick his ass. Like, don't help that's what we're doing we're not helping we're just standing there going we support your endeavors be brave 
or cheerleading. Be brave. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. Be brave. <laughs> Be brave. I stand you go, with you. Guys. You go, guys. I stand with you until the violence begins, and then I'm going to stand over here and watch. Yeah. Which, which is yeah, the smart thing to do. I would do that. Well, we don't really. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you don't get shot that way. Yeah. So, <laughs> or yes. blown up, or, or, whatever, or severely or like injured, or what, severely injured. It's um, whatever those vacuum. They're venting some vacuum bomb. I don't yeah, know. Those the, uh, yeah, those what are the. Yeah, those are. What is that? Those are the. Uh, oh. Getting what they're called, and I guess it severely annihilates. Uh, Trump <laughs> oh, used a, Trump used um, one of those in Afghanistan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Trump was well, that was a that was okay. It was us. Yeah, <laughs> I mean they're talking. About, don't get me started about yeah. Afghanistan. So, so I mean, yeah. Trump, Trump, Trump used one of those to take out a whole village of uh, of uh, Taliban or whoever. Who knows? I don't know who who knows what's going on. Anyway, this uh, guy Leding, and what is interesting, we've talked about, or I've read about, uh, the original 1948, the Air Force wrote a formal report, which was estimate of the situation, uh, that said, that came to the conclusion that stating 19 Air, so what he, Leding drafted the former conclusion to Air Force officials in mid-1948 stating that flying disc may represent extraterrestrial visitation. And this was the estimate of the situation that Ruppelt talked about in his book that went up to Vandenberg, and Vandenberg's like, nope, <laughs> nope, get rid of it. And this estimate of the situation was read and by people and then eventually destroyed. And I've always been curious about that um, document. This is the guy that wrote that. And right. at, at Wright Patterson, and was part of the group that said that they felt that uh, flying saucers were extraterrestrial, and um, you know this was the beginning. And then the like Vandenberg got the report and said, "No, no, we're, we're not, we're not doing this." Yeah, well, you know, the flights again were they extraterrestrial? Well, they may have been at some point where they were extraterrestrial. Maybe they, we don't know. I mean, did we see them flying across space? They could have been from yeah. Like we you can't, talked about a million times before. You can't say you can't say that. They we don't know they where they him. developed from. Could have been inside the Earth. You know, I love that hollow Earth theory. Yes, the hollow and, Earth. Uh, I think it's more likely yeah. under the ocean. Uh, and Somewhere apparently, that, yeah, yeah. And apparently, Letting had seen an object in 1932, and which he says in October, 1932, the couple saw an object, him and his wife, while driving near Plainsboro, New Jersey. At first they thought an aircraft was crashing nearby, Letting said, then the craft leveled off and flashed away at high speed, emitting a changing bluish green light. On reaching his home, he immediately sketched the object from memory. Later, Letting said former New York Congressman L.G. Clement reported that he had seen such an object at about the same time. Uh, Letting estimated the object and his wife had seen was 100 feet in diameter and about five to 600 feet high. I'm assuming that's the altitude. Yeah. He said the object gave off a weird light, like looking at a firefly and appeared to change shape. He said he had seen nothing similar of a similar nature since. And then they have a picture of uh, Letting with Dr. Goddard 
at his testing site and dr goddard's rocket testing site is roswell new mexico yeah i I didn't know that that's interesting wow a lot of these things are tied together it seems like yeah Yeah. white sands new mexico roswell i mean it just seems to be an area where you know it's you know ripe for sightings and well whatever's going on with it was who knows if we'll ever really know you know well it's it's hard to say and then letting was uh he worked at wright labs which is a, in wright lab and at wright labs he established the first jet propulsion dis- division and became the resident expert on rocketry um this guy was a big deal and I, yeah i'm really curious to see where this this um this report takes us and then there was uh what's this july 3rd general nathan twining twining who had the t2 army air force intelligence group under his command uh leading was t3 engineering section this is the uh, at wright patterson or Wright at the time right field right field at the time yeah yeah uh air force intelligence command come on commented that officials were indeed looking into the matter of flying disc he stated that even the top secret research conducted at the aviation labs at Wright field had not produced technology comparable to to that being observed continuing he added that repute reputable scientist had seen one of the disc and that his report is being studied and that might have been uh lettings they're implying that it's lettings report from 1932. Wow. so yeah, yeah. Um, so you got any, you want to talk about anything else about the letting? Oh, I got more. Letting. Oh, I got plenty more. Got, I got plenty more. He uh, he did like. Um, Letting like the balloon people, and apparently the balloon people saw the people that would launch these uh, weather balloons. Uh, he liked them because I guess they would um, they were good observers. They would use the uh, those instruments to measure the height and angle of the balloon trajectories, and consider them very good, I guess, observers of unusual phenomena. One of the things that that we should remember is that in 1947, aircraft could not had could not yet attain reliable means of reaching supersonic speeds. That was just the uh, the rocket powered planes were doing at that point. Like the X was it the X one with um, yeah. um, Chuck Yeager? Ye- Yeager. 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 Yeager, who always talked real slow. Be calm while flying the aircraft. Unless you talk about, yeah, like you're from the South. Yes, that became a that became a standard pilot sort of way of talking. Everybody, be calm. No matter what's happening. No matter what's happening, gotta talk. You're in a flat spin at forty thousand feet. I'm in a I'm in a flat spin. Your face is pressed against the windshield, and and my and my head is on fire. Like Jaeger, I'm calm. Jaeger, when he had the bailout, his head was on fire. Oh my god! Oh man, my hero. Yeah, he is awesome. He was absolutely awesome. (laughs) 
my head is on fire. Uh, I'm going to bail out of the aircraft at this point. <laughs> at this time? Yes. <laughs> this time, I think it would be appropriate for me to exit the aircraft. Uh, uh, altitudes, are we had planes that couldn't really uh, achieve altitudes above 40,000 feet or develop methods to hover. This document says that thus in 1947 has become a very important period to study. Accounts from reputable witnesses during the time are also significant because they had not yet had the opportunity to have their observations tainted by a vast body of previously publicized, publicized UFO lore. I mean, now we're, we're influenced. We have all these, these preconceived notions about this stuff. Um, and we're no closer to finding the truth than we were then. That's, um, <laughs> at least the public is. And I mean, I don't know what the military. Has. Well, I mean, I'm, I've been reading this. I'm still reading this book. Uh, watch the skies, a chronicle, a chronicle of the flying saucer myth by Curtis Peebles. Watch the skies, watch the skies, watch the skies. The thing and was he, awesome. Yes. I have, I got that from the library. I haven't watched it again yet. Um, there was the Condon report which was supposed to look at this and it was a scientific investigation of unidentified flying objects and they came up with the conclusion that there was nothing nothing to it uh, that was supposed to wrap it up and here we are the connor report came out in 1969 and here we are um 43 years later and the government is looking back into this stuff again. It's like they, I don't know. But then there was reports in 1975 that the, the Air Force was still looking into UFOs. So, so there's, I mean, there's all this stuff. But the Condon Report had an interesting, this is, this is an aside from the Letting, Letting Report. The Condon Report, before they initiated the study, that there was a, um, a memo that... Uh, came out and this caused a bit of a stink with the the Conan report and its supposed unbiased look at UFO things the memo said the trick would be I think to describe the project so that to the public it would be it would appear to, to it would appear a totally objective study but to the scientific community would present the image of a group of non-believers trying their best to be objective, but having an almost zero expectation of finding a saucer. One way to do yeah. this would be to stress investigation, not of the physical phenomena, but rather of the people who do the observing. The psychology and sociology of, of persons and groups who report seeing UFOs if the emphasis were put here rather than on examining of the old question of the physical reality of the saucer, I think the scientific community would quickly get the message. Get what message? What? I, and they were all, there was a lot of pressure and these, these universities and stuff were like embarrassed with the idea of um, um, doing this study. But this book in Peoples, he has an interesting excuse for this memo, which I marked. Hopefully I can find it, um, which was awesome, his excuse. So, um, Peebles, this book, I got to say, is a, is a decent uh, 
UFO book, even though it's uh, touted as like a debunking book when they're saying uh, the myth of flying saucers. It's a good history. And um, I think he explains a lot of things really well, but he's not like over the top debunking it. So you can read it and not um, you know, get irritated because it's too right. illogical. But he did say this is a this is a thing about the Condon memo that was was interesting. Um, there is a final note. The public controversy over the Condon study always centered on the use of the word trick in Lowe's memo, which I just read. And then this guy goes on. He goes, scientists often use the word trick in the sense of problem, difficulty, or task. It was later confirmed Lowe used the word in that sense, which is nuts. I've never, I mean, I've, I've been involved in science and research for what, um, 30 years, 30 something years. I've never seen the word trick in any scientific publication, any review article, any popular science article. Um, it's nuts to use that as an excuse for, for the, uh, for the memo for that. So I don't know. I mean, you, you run across stuff like that and the criticism of the condom report was that it was just designed to put this whole thing to bed so people could stop thinking about it. And then now we, everything's come back to life with the uh, UAP stuff and Elizondo and Chris Mellon. So yeah, with Elizondo and his, and that project they're working on that Galileo Galileo. Anything new on Galileo? Oh, uh, they had a you song. Harvard? That's Harvard, right? There was a song, just... Harvard. There was a song Harvard. that came out by, um, um, what's his name? That singer. <laughs> Did that? No, that's, that's not, that's something else. Um, I don't know. They got to build their instruments. They have a nice group of people. I think that are involved in it. They need to build their instruments. They need to find the right place to put the instruments. And then we wait and see what happens. Um, well, I think this speaks to your philosophy about you know learning institution that's tied to research and development for money. Oh no, it's, it's <laughs> there. These people are not into it. They are not into. They're not this. into it just because they're passionate. <laughs> uh, they're they are passionate, but there's uh, there's a you're talking about if these if these minimally minimally. I would speculate that these are um, AI, AI craft. So you have like a space probes that were sent out millions or billions of years ago. And I just did that short on Wednesday. I don't know if you listened to it by yeah. Sir James James Jeans. And what I the reason I did that is because uh, as he points out, we're at the beginning of our. Uh, trajectory as a civilization and as a species we've only been around for at this you know a civilized as he says a civilized level for 10,000 years we have hundreds millions of years ahead of us we're just we're at this is the dawn of our you know trajectory in this in this galaxy but there are I say I mean there's a philosophy that we've been wiped out the civilization's been wiped out like four times could be already could be the you know um, and then redone and then wiped out and redone we've could have made it this far before and then I would say it's a possibility <laughs> that it's, it's happened uh it could easily have happened three times so you figure yeah. the human species in this form as we are now 
we've been around for 150,000 years. So theoretically, you could say that 50,000 years, boom, gone, something happened. And then another 50,000 years, grow back, boom, gone. And now this is the, uh, the next 50,000 years. So we're on our third, we could be on our third cycle of uh, boom and bust as a civilization, as a species, not as a civilization. And we literally could be on the cusp of that. Well, Larry Niven and Jerry Pornell talk about that as speculatively with the species in the goat, the goat, the goat in Maud's eye, the moat in God's eye, which is a great book. And that species is, a, is um, in that isolated solar system, constantly does these cycles of, um, of advancement and decline. And it's a great, it's a great book. It's a great story. So that could, I mean, that could have happened with us. But even if that did happen, we're still, as a, a species and a planet, we have millions of years ahead of us outside of a catastrophic event happening. Um. You think you don't think it's going to happen like you know next, next week? Couple months. Next week, <laughs> only if Biden's going to go. What's this button do? What's this button do? What's this do? What happens if I do this? What is this? I think that the Ukrainians or the Uranians need to to stand up and fight for themselves, and blah blah. I I, I think that I, I've said this before. If we put the 80 sec they should put the 82nd Airborne into Kiev. And if, if he who shall not be named was still president, um, would have put the, um, although he's in the news every day, I, it's hard to tell who president, who's president, uh, would have put the 82nd Airborne into Kiev. The Russians would have backed off and said, okay, we need to negotiate something out of this. And that would be it. That would solve the problem right there. You didn't pick up the phone call, Joe, Joe. No, yeah, sure. I have a suggestion. So, You're kind of close to DC. Yeah. yeah he doesn't know how to. He doesn't know. I don't. Knock I don't on think, the door. Hey. I don't think he knows how to knows how to you know use the phone this? anymore. He goes, "What's this? You know what it's a phone, this? Joe. It's a phone. It's a phone. Let me tell you about my yeah. my growing up as a as a lifeguard. We're on the brink of nuclear war, just like we were when we were kids. And then yeah, so I, I don't care. The I'm ready. Air raid siren would go off. Uh, oh yeah, you're ready yeah. just to let it happen. Uh, I just, desk. I'm ready. We had to duck and cover, duck and cover, and we'd be under our desk. Everybody's scared to death. Yeah. I thought about. It. Remember, you even thought about it. It's like, man, I guess it could just happen. We've you been know? having, we've been facing the apocalypse since we were kids. It's like there's <laughs> nuclear holocaust, uh, global freezing, uh, ozone layer. Uh, what was after the ozone layer? Uh, then it became global warming. And, um, Don't forget now the it's pandemic. Now, then it was climate, <laughs> then it's climate change. And now we had, oh, and then there was AIDS, uh, which yeah. is supposed to end, you know, humanity. And then, uh, now we had the, the latest zombie apocalypse, which has all is, you know, looks like it's becoming nothing at this point. And it hasn't been that big a deal anyway. It has been, oh God, you're going to get us that. Yeah. <laughs> what it's not there. all right all right how many people do you know have died of this i i don't know personally anyway okay how many died, people do you know went to the hospital with it i don't know anyone personally that went to the hospital nobody nobody knows anybody personally that went to the hospital or died from this 
because they were elderly people that were in homes or people that were very sick to begin with. I mean, this is like, this is what it boils down to. Why aren't the homeless wiped out from this as a disease? Yeah, we talk about that. Deb and I talk about that. Yeah, this doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't well, make any sense. We don't know. Sense. We don't doesn't know any homeless. Any Do you know any homeless people? Maybe okay. they are. Okay, wait a minute. I want to look at one more thing. We didn't get as far as this. I'm, I read, I did my reading and we didn't get too far on this. Um, well, we'll get, we'll pick it up next week. All right, let me, let me, let me just hit this one last thing. It says, this is, can, the mil, military started a formal UFO investigation by the end of 1947. Although as early as July, Army, Air Force, and Naval Intelligence, as well as the FBI had studied some of the more well, the more well publicized reports. Letting was associated with investigations out of right field by July 9th, yet few records remain of this work. As in later waves, however, only a small percentage of the total number of sightings were reported to authorities. Uh, then he goes, uh, many of these can be found in the National Archives holdings of the U.S. Air Force Project Blue Book files. Some paperwork dealing with UFOs are located at the Air Force Historical Center at Maxwell Air Force Base which uh, deals with records of the 4th Air Force, 910 pages of lost Air Force documents from the late 1940s have also come to light from the National Records Center in St. Louis, Missouri via Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. So they have the, they've shown the non-existence of documents is the report of that report? Yeah, they, they, they're just missing. They're, there's stuff missing. There's a lot of stuff missing. He says, but, and then, uh, microfilms of early intelligent files have surfaced as well, but are now held in private hands, although are becoming available for sale to researchers. This was 20 years ago that this was written. Uh, recently FBI files provide a good insight into some of the early investigations too, despite, um, Despite dedicated efforts to locate naval records containing UFO cases by historian and researcher Jan Aldrich, these files are large part missing. So there's a lot of stuff of this. I mean, this is the problem with government record keeping with a lot of these things. Like I was talking about at one point, a new command comes in or a command's dissolved and you'll have filing cabinets full of stuff. And then it's like, what do you do with the stuff? If the base doesn't have a place to store the stuff, it goes in the dumpster. So... A lot of yeah. lot of records they weren't required to keep the stuff, and a lot of records were lost, which is not fun. Exactly, the chain of custody. Not a good, things. not <laughs> a good, uh, not a good plan. All right, yeah, so well, I think we're okay for today. All right, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome comments, questions, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail .com. Visit us on Facebook at alienprobe.net excuse me that's our wit this on facebook alienprobe.net is our website sorry uh twitter and instagram at alienprobepod also catch us on youtube at alienprobepodcast thanks dr bill and thanks to our senior producer robert anthony and we will see you next weekend okay bye-bye okay.